Father, we are in this place only because of your grace and your power and might that you found every single one of us. You revealed yourself to us. And therefore, tonight, as we open the word of life, I pray that your presence fills the temple, that you continue to speak to us, that you continue to challenge us, to transform us as we gather in this place. And I pray for all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. How's everybody doing? You good? Hey, I know there's more energy in you. After this, we're going to play some soccer and sports and stuff like that. So don't, don't, don't pull that church kind of situation on me, right? So, so um, let's, let's keep the energy going. Um, I want to thank, I want to thank uh, RBYA and... Um, Everybody that is involved in RBYA for inviting me to be with you this weekend. If, if you haven't been with us this morning, you don't know me. My name is Aline. Super excited to be with you um, here tonight. I want to thank um, the church, Betania Church, for hosting this event. My brother, uh, uh, Godin, thank you so much for, uh, for having us, for putting all this effort here and, and welcoming us. So nice to hear, opening your church to um, a, bunch of, a bunch of, you know, energetic souls in this place. Um, tonight, I want to make another deal with you. I said after every, after every message, I have an action item for you. So I hope you're going to continue hashtagging. Hashtag? Okay, hashtag, where are you? And in that context of hashtag, where are you? I want to issue a challenge as we start this, this discussion tonight. And that challenge is, you have a bunch of leaders around you. A bunch of people that are involved in ministry and been involved in ministry for a long time. If you, if, if God worked in, in a way or another at your heart this weekend and you are faced with this question of really where are you? Like where are you supposed to be? And you want to talk to somebody. I'm here just for you guys this weekend. Um, approach me. Approach, um, approach anybody. Val, approach Gordon, approach Sam is here uh, for you guys. Anybody that you see that you would like to talk to. Don't go home not answering this question where, where you are, right? I mean, this is a great opportunity for you to just do a one-on-one -on -one and sit and start to talk to somebody and see what's going on. So that's a great opportunity for you to kind of figure some things out. I have my brother here. Everybody, anybody that you want to see and you talk to, just grab somebody and talk to them before this weekend is done, okay? So that's, that's another challenge. Now, I got Moody Bible Institute. I got Moody Bible Institute to donate some books for you. And this book, hallelujah. This book... It's a very, very good book because it has, it's called Standing Firm, and it talks about doctrine. Boring, hashtag boring for you guys, but I tell you, it's actually very, very good. It even has a section here talking about biblical human sexuality, which I think a lot of you, more, more so than your parents' generation, have to at least have an answer, a solid answer of what is and how do you really approach human sexuality and biblical, from a biblical perspective. So I'm going to give a few of these books away tonight. I have a bunch with me. I'm going to give a few of these books away, but this is how it's going to be. Tonight, I want to read a passage from Scripture. It's one verse. That's it, one verse. So open your Bibles with me, every single one of you. Open your Bibles with me. We're going to stay in one chapter and one verse. We're going to read it around a little bit. And I'm going to expose you to a different type of teaching, a different way of teaching. You don't, you've not, I, I can almost guarantee a lot of people in this room have never been exposed to this type of teaching. So open your Bibles to John chapter 3, verse 16. 
John chapter 3, verse 16. I had a colleague in, uh, I, had a, I had a guy in my, in my in college, and I was reading the Bible, and he was like, what are you doing? I'm reading the Bible, and he was like, well, uh, give me something to read. And I said, well, and I was whispering, because the guy was, you know, somebody was teaching. I was like, John 3, 16. And the guy opened the Bible to John chapter 3, and opened the Bible to John chapter 16. 3, 16. He didn't know the code. And he was like, now what? <laughs> Anyways, for some of you will catch it later. Um, the people that have their finger in John 3 and chapter 16, you'll catch it later. John 3, 16. Ready? Ready? For God loved the world so much. I'm New Living Translation, so stay with me. That he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Amen. 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 Okay. Here we go. Now do me a favor, every single one of you, close your, close your phones, close your Bibles, close everything, put them away. You're not going to need them for the rest of the night. What I want to expose you to is a way of teaching um, that comes from the, the, the subject of or the, the area of orality, storytelling, orality. Let me hit you with some statistic. No statistic is perfect. But it's a very good statistic and quite concerning for some, but not concerning for others, that 40% of the world is illiterate. 40% of the world is still illiterate. Now, Christianity picked up uh, this, this fight to take education to the rest of the world. And the Western world, especially, not just Christianity, but the Western world decided that this is a, a fight worth fighting. And we're going to take education and literacy to the rest of the world. And that's what people have done. But still, 40% of the world, 40% of the world is illiterate. Now watch this. Western world, the Western world has invested a lot of time and energy of educating everybody to read and write. And your generation is the most illiterate generation of all because of YouTube. If you get a chance to watch a video or read the book. Amen. Thank you. So now the, the full circle is coming around where this generation is becoming more illiterate. Even though our fight was to get people you know, to read and write. But in this fight, we have neglected something that is really, really powerful. That we have, we have actually lied to ourselves that, that literacy is the only way to get information. That if you do not know how to read and write, you do not know how to learn. And tonight I want to expose you to orality. To the way that scripture has been promoted thousand some years. Right? Printing press. Anybody? For a book, when was printing press invented? You owe me a book. Four, 14. Wow, you know so exactly. So what happened from year zero? What happened from year? It's 1450 roughly. That's when it, the whole thing started, right? 1500, they perfected it in the time perfect, in the time of Martin Luther over there. So, so what happened for 1500 years? Because somebody should be concerned that this written document got to you. And for, for centuries and for generations, it was transmitted orally. And some of you might be concerned that that's actually a problem. And I thought that too before I got to South Sudan. And I was embedded fully in a culture that functions like fully oral and orality. Storytelling. 
And I want to give you an example that you guys understand, right? Anybody in school here knows this website. You cannot lie that you don't know it. Wikipedia. <laughs> right? And you know Wikipedia was actually built on principles of orality. Wikipedia was built on principles of orality. How's that principle? How does that work? Well, I'll tell you how that works. Everybody that has an account on Wikipedia has access to one button called edit. So somebody posts, uh, posts an, an entire biography of Ali Imranchila on Wikipedia and says that I am the bomb.com. I am the best thing that ever happened to humanity since sliced bread, right? So they, they write over there everything. They, they go out there and say, you know, he is the revolutionary, the, the revolutionary thinker that revolutionized hashtag, where, you know, where are you? It's like just things, like cool things, right? And anybody in this room has access to the edit button. And he's, he can go and edit and say, no, he is the bomb.ro, right? He's not the bomb.com. You see what I'm saying? So basically what happens is when somebody used to tell a story in Jesus' time, and I don't want you to minimize this because when Jesus, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, when Jesus you know, showed himself, the, the, the whole belief system is that not only that he showed himself to the apostles, but he showed himself to 500 people. And all these people were telling, were telling his story. But when somebody was telling the story of Jesus and actually recalling events, I was there, I saw him. Our tendency is to add some details, especially if we like somebody. If we don't like somebody, we take away. Well, he's good, but you know, not that good, right? But if we like somebody, it's like, oh man, that, he's so good. The circle of friends that has access to the edit button, they would say, no, you know, I was there. And they would correct the story. So the story stays correct and the details do not escape that story because people have a vested interest. You know how passionate you are when you were there, right? When you were there, no, 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 I was there, I know. So I'm going to use a principle of orality to tell you a, one of the most fascinating stories from the Bible and that's the story uh, of Nicodemus. So this is the deal. I have a few books for you. The deal is I'll tell you the story. You don't have to do anything. You just have to listen to the story that I'm going to tell you. And I promise you it's a fascinating story with details that maybe you've never heard before. It's a fascinating story. And when I'm done, I'm going to ask you three questions. Three questions. And I can almost guarantee you that those questions are going to settle this story in your mind for a very, very long time. And you're not going to forget the story of Nicodemus for a very long time. But in order for this to work is I tell the story and you're going to have to answer the questions. If nobody's going to answer the questions... Orality doesn't work, right? We're in a group together. We're a family here, okay? We ate together. We talked. I know some of you, so I'm going to call. So I'm going to do Romanian volunteering. You. <laughs> so I'm going to give a few books away at the end of the story, okay? So ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, I want to tell you the story of this very fascinating guy called Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a leader in the Pharisees, which means that he was... He was um, very high up there in the leadership among the Jewish people. He was a fascinating person. He was actually well-renowned and well-respected and a very, very good teacher among the Jewish people. And this person did something that really shocked everybody. So Jesus was very known, but not very famous, more like infamous among certain circles. Because he was preaching something that went countercultural to the, to the identity of the Jewish people and to the Messiah that they were waiting for. But Nicodemus was very, very intrigued, very intrigued by this person of Jesus. And he decided to do something. So in John chapter 3, um, the jo John chapter 3 starts with this. That late at night, late at night, 
he decides to come and visit Jesus late at night. Now, as I'm telling you the story of Nicodemus, I want you to know a few things. And I'm going to tell you some details of the story so you guys know what I'm talking about. One is, I don't want you guys to miss the fact that in my story, I want you to, to, to think about Jesus and to think about Nicodemus and to think about yourself a little bit in this story, where you fit in this. Um, I don't think there's ever a person on earth that was busier than Jesus. Actually, he was working very, very hard to find a little time for himself. And late at night, I mean later at night, he would have to find a little bit of time to go and be by himself and pray and recover. Because there were multitudes. You see, John chapter 21 talks about the fact that the, the things that Jesus did on earth, if they would, were to write down everything he did, all the books would, not, would fill this world with how many details they can talk about his three years of ministry. He did so many things. And we miss this aspect of the fact that he was sought out by multitudes. I mean, multitudes of people. It's basically like, how can I put this? If anybody in America found out that you have, they have free health care. Kind of like that, right? So imagine, like, you know how the website, like, crashed on the Obamacare, right? It was just for, like, you know, just because people were like, oh, I can get something cheaper. Now, this is a walking person that can heal, like, wounds and heal everything. And people were following him. So it's late at night. And this person comes to have a philosophical debate. If I were Jesus, I would be like, listen, schedule with my secretary. Talk to Peter. Talk to Peter. Oh, man. Okay, Pharisee, this guy is all about philosophy. I can't deal with this right now. I'm so tired. I can't handle it, right? But Jesus actually entertains the discussion. And you know what? Me and you should be very, very, very thankful. He did. You know why? Because out of this discussion, we have... One of the most powerful summaries of the gospel of God. John 3.16. If it wasn't for this late night discussion, we would not have a nutshell. I mean, it, it's, it's so summarized and so reduced that it fits on a bumper sticker. I know. And it's translated in the most amount of languages. And, and it fits under Tim Tebow's eyes. That was a good joke. Come on. That was a really good joke. You know it was a good joke. Right? You know when he wore that, Tim Tebow, he wore John, John 3.16, 90 million searches. 90 million searches were during that game when he wrote John, John 3.16 under his eye. So we have a summary. We literally have a, a nugget. And in one verse, the entire mystery of God that even Abraham didn't even dream to hear about this was comprised in this late night discussion. So there are many things we can learn about this. First of all, let's look at this discussion between, between Nicodemus and Jesus. Nicodemus comes to Jesus and says this. And if you, if, you would know, if you would know just a little bit of the Jewish culture, you understood how powerful and beautiful this is. Watch this. I actually negotiated, negotiated in the marketplace in the souk in Israel, in Jerusalem, negotiated an artifact. And it was one of the most exciting things I've ever done. And of course I lost but it was the most, one of the most beautiful things. Because there's a rhythm to it, you know. We come in there. The reason we always lose in a negotiation in the Middle East is because we function on time. And they function on, oh, we have time. Come inside. Drink some tea. What's the rush? And I'm like, man, I have five minutes to do this. And he's like, I have all the time in the world. Bring it, right? So uh, Nicodemus comes to Jesus and says, you know what? I need to get some answers from him. So let me butter him up in a very beautiful fashion. So he said, um, teacher. We know that you are a teacher that came from God. Because nobody can do the signs that you do if you weren't from God. 
And I think Nicodemus was expecting like, wow, Nicodemus, thank you, thank you. Stop, stop, don't do that. Something very, very powerful happened. Because I think Nicodemus was shocked. He's never experienced this ever in his entire life. Because Jesus looked at him, he looked at him and he said, a man cannot enter the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Okay, now you would call me rude. You would call me rude. If you would come to me and be like, Aline, I heard that you work there. I'm so excited to be here. And I would be like, that sin in your life is messed up. <laughs> Awkward. And you'd just be like, okay, guys, let's go. This guy is either drunk or something. Because you realize, like, what's going on? Unless, unless, unless. Basically, that's what you came to talk to me about. Unless you carry that inside you and you didn't know how to open that subject with me and I saw through all the things you wanted to say and I responded to the question of your heart. I want to tell you something. Number one mistake I have ever seen people do in evangelistic discussions, number one mistake is to answer the questions that you're asked. Number one mistake I've seen people do is to answer the questions you are asked. Um, No. You should ask some questions. If somebody comes to you and asks you a question, why is there so much suffering in the world? I think the number one mistake you could ever do is to answer that question without asking the person you're talking to. You know, before we get into this discussion, why are you asking me? Have you lost somebody? Is there anything that happened in your life that triggered this, this, this question for you? Because you might be so insensitive To talk about philosophical debates and go back and forth and win the argument and lose that person. Because they came to you. They wouldn't have this question if there's something not triggering something deep inside this person. And you know, if we were Jesus, we don't have to entertain a very long discussion because he could see right through him. He came there because there's something very deep inside him that was unsettled about this kingdom of God. He had a very, very deep spiritual question and he couldn't find answer. Now... Thank you for lifting your eyes and staying with me. You know, I'm giving you books at the the end of this. Watch this. Watch this. He was a most respected teacher of the law. And there was something he had no answer to. And nowhere else to go. He had nobody else that could answer a fundamental, simple question of life. How do you get in the kingdom of God? Do you think that if he had anybody else to talk to, he would have not gone to those first and get an answer? And this leads me to an example that I really wanted to remember. Uh, I want you to remember for a long time because this was a true revelation for me. Listen to this. Nicodemus lived in a very, very interesting time. And the time he lived in is very significant. Because it's significant for me and it's significant for you. Nicodemus lived in the time of the highest human experience from three perspectives. Listen to this. Nicodemus lived in the time of the highest human experience from three perspectives. Religious, philosophical, and wealth. Okay, let me explain this because I know for a fact some of you might disagree with me. So whoever's, is anybody here going to college doing uh, philosophy? Philosophy. Anybody here took any philosophy class in college so far? Philosophy. Thank you. Good. So what you're going to find is 
that even 2019, 2019 years after that time of Jesus, we still study the Greek philosophers and there's been no higher, deeper thought than the height of the Greek philosophy of Jesus' time. The, the, the Greek philosophy has reached a peak of, of depth and understanding that to this day we have not surpassed it. I am actually working on my doctorate. I have to tell you this just for this point. And I have to tell you that doesn't matter who's doing on what doctorate and what level you're doing. The first thing you need to do is have a basic understanding of the Greek philosophy thought. From a philosophical and knowledge perspective, humanity has reached a peak of knowledge and of understanding with the Greek philosophy then that has not been matched ever since. From a religious perspective... That has not been a highest point of, of religious experience than the temple. If you lived in Jesus' time and you saw the temple. I want you to know some of you, you know, you live in America and everything is like, you know, these churches are just very user friendly. We make churches very user friendly. But the moment you go to back the, to, to your homeland, you go to Romania, you go to churches, you walk into these cathedrals. It, it really inspires reverence and respect. You're like, you know, you can't walk in any way you want. You know, there's an episode in the Bible where Jesus was staying at the foot hill, like at the foot bedrock of the temple. And he said, this temple is going to be destroyed. And people were like, you are, you lost your mind. Because I went to Jerusalem and I stood there right at the bottom rock of the temple. And when you look up, you are impressed. You are impressed. I think one rock is as big as this entire church. Just one stone is as big as this church from one to Just one stone. It's impressive. It's huge. And the system that from the temple, the system was complex. I don't want you to, I really don't want you to dismiss this. Nicodemus lived in a time when he saw the temple, the golden pots. When the, when the high priest came out, talk about blink. That guy had gold on him. The whole thing was gold. And he came out and the, the holiest and the holiest of holies, the entire temple system, the religious system was so complex and so, it was working so well, it was impressive. You know, I, I went to the temple and visited the temple in Jerusalem. And I wish we would take one of their systems and, and, and use it in our churches. Let me explain. Every year for Passover, 1.2 up to 2 million people would come visit Jerusalem in a very small place. 2 million people there in that very small city. And they would all enter the temple through these massive stairs, through these massive stairs. All go through the temple through the massive stairs and bring their sacrifice and come out. And only people that actually suffered, they lost somebody or they did something. They would walk in through the exit. So instead of going through the long line, you remember the long line at lunch, right? Imagine somebody, hey man, you lost somebody, go straight in front, right? And he goes the other way. Basically, he goes the other way. And you know why they did that? Because everybody that would come in through the exit, you have this overflow of people coming your way. And every single person that was coming out knew that you are suffering. And they would offer compassion and encouragement. And you have ways and ways of compassion and encouragement. I think we should create a system with stairs in our churches. So you can walk through those exits. And we understand what's going on deep inside your heart and core. Oh, very, very complex religious system there. And wealth. 
Do you know he was living right there in the zip code of the Roman Empire? The most glorious United States of America is built on political principles taken from the Roman Empire. There has never been a more glorious empire and, and since then, until then, and since then, the Roman Empire. And this is what I have to tell you. Listen, Nicodemus lived in the time of the Roman Empire, in the time of the Jewish temple, in the time of Greek philosophers and philosophy. And late at night, he said, oh, it's not enough. I still have some unanswered questions at the soul level. Oh. Do you know what that means? Do you know right now that we have people here believing that Christ and the church and all this is so boring and has nothing to offer me but the world, United States, but school and education, but the religious system. I just have somebody that had became a Buddhist because that offers you that, that at least that offers you some form and some meditation and all thing. And, and you're looking for this God in all kinds of forms. And if you don't listen to Nicodemus tonight, you're missing a really cool story. In front of all that, Nicodemus, a teacher of the Jewish law, said, it's not enough. My question is still not answered. I need something more. I think it's so profound. So profound. Uh, another thing I want to I tell you about in this story is, the first thing that we lost is the ability to ask questions and to spend some time and go get to know somebody, right? But the second thing that we lost is the art of communication. Okay, so uh, it, whatever, whatever the computers did and literacy and iPads did for you not reading your actual Bible and the book anymore, and digital literacy has moved an entire generation away from text, from the book, that's what headphones have done for conversations. And you can tell me that a lot of people avoid any cost, at any cost to talk to people. Actually, if you were to, to choose a window seat, aisle seat, or a middle seat, you cannot tell me that you wouldn't pay extra just to not deal with it. To not find somebody that talks. Man, I was flying one time to Europe, and I was like, I, you know when you pray, and you say, Lord, I'm only asking for this. Please get somebody to sit next to me that's going to sleep the whole flight. And, and God was like, I have something better in mind. Six Italian ladies that, that I heard them when they entered the flight. I heard them when they came in the flight. And they were like, I don't know what I I was like, no, no, no. And I was watching them. You know when you watch them and you're like, here we go, here we go. They be, oh. And they, you can, they put their luggage right above you and you're like, thank you. Father, for it teaching me something. But you know, one of those Italian ladies, I've had one of the most fascinating discussions with about God and suffering and all these things for six hours straight, realizing that there's nowhere she can go. <laughs> right? Hey, can't escape this. It's not like, hey, double tap. I'm, I'm out, right? You're not out. You're staying here. We have six hours left. Let's talk about this, right? It was a beautiful thing. But we, we've missed this, this idea of conversation. To talk to people. And I want you to know. You learned tonight from Nicodemus. Nicodemus approached Jesus. And Jesus was approachable. Even though he was really busy. He approached him and asked a few questions. And we learned from Nicodemus. That people have hidden questions. 
Every person you know, every person you know around you has hidden questions in their heart. Jesus saw through it. You have to work a little harder. You have to build trust. You have to build a friendship and a relationship to people so they can open their hearts out to you. They have hard questions. So Nicodemus threw some really hard curveballs at Jesus to make sure. But how is this done? How can this work? And Jesus took some time to explain. And now we come to our, to our major point here. Major point. In this conversation, the topic became one of the hottest topics that you will ever have to end up with. And you know what's that topic? This is the topic. That there is a God that loves so much, so much, you cannot put into words how much. And then there are people that do not feel loved. There is a God that loves people. You know how much he loves them? Hashtag where are you? That is looking for them. Is going out there. Is searching for them. Is trying to reveal himself to them. He's doing everything he can to reveal himself to them. And then there's a world out there that does not feel loved. I guarantee you that night Nicodemus felt a lot of love. Besides the debate. Beside the discussion. The openness of Jesus. The ability to see in his heart and not judge him. Can you imagine the scary thoughts that went through Nicodemus' mind when he figured out that Jesus can read minds? What do you do with that kind of person? So how do you handle that? If I would find out that a professor of mine, I go in there and I want to ask him a question and he can read my mind, all my excuses are gone. I got nothing. He could see like, okay, how can I lie to this guy? How can I say it? It's done. And yet, Jesus could read his mind, can see his soul, and there was not one judgment in there. It was just so much love. And Jesus shared with them a message that I want you to take this message with you. Of a world that, that a God that loves so much and a world that does not feel loved. And where is the disconnect? Where is this disconnect? And this disconnect was right in front of Nicodemus. To say, it's me, Jesus. The moment that people come face to face with Jesus and understand who Jesus is, that's the first moment they understand truly and fully how much God loves them. I don't want you to minimize this. Listen to me. Listen to me. I was in China and um, I wanted to share the gospel with, with two students that I was working with. And I didn't know what to do. So I invited them for movie night and I put Passion of the Christ. <clears throat> So movie night, right? Uh, the guys allowed, the, the, the security allowed them to come to my dorm because it's movie night. These guys are coming with popcorn. I'm thinking, I don't think you're going to need popcorn for this one. <laughs> so they're coming out there. We're having, we're having the, the, the movie night. And one of the most fascinating things happened. I, so I'm thinking, okay, you know, the old Jesus movie, too old. I don't think they're going to get it. The Passion of the Christ is the bloodiest movie. Passion of Christ is the bloodiest movie you'll ever see. I don't think they're going to get anything from this. So, you know, I'm trying to, I'm thinking so hard. I'm thinking so hard after this whole thing. How can I present this? How can I tell them? How can I bridge from that to tell them that this Jesus in a culture that they don't have sin. If you say God, which is shun, it's the exact same word for emperor. So what do I tell them? The emperor loves you? That's not going to work. What do I do? How do I communicate this love of Christ? They're watching this movie. Popcorn stopped early on in the movie. I want you to know. They're eating popcorn. They're like, okay, we'll put this aside. I'm sitting thinking the whole time we're watching this movie, I'm sweating bullets, not knowing how do I make a transition. I'm praying for this. And so I start with a simple question. Of course, I'm like, well, what do you guys think? <laughs> hey, let's see what's going 
And one of them said, I actually believe Jesus is the son of God. And I'm telling you, I was like, uh, how? <laughs> how do you know? And he said, when they put him on the cross, he said, Father, forgive him. Because they don't know what they do. And I have to tell you, I actually cried more than they did in that room. You know why? Because I realized for the first time is that we don't talk about Jesus. He was there. He, Jesus, was there. He revealed himself to these people and embraced them in, in my shortcoming of not being able to fully tell the story, but loving them and being there and doing everything I can to make sure I put this message in front of them. But what happened when they met Jesus face to face? There was a, there was a student in China, and when she heard these words, listen to me, these words, Jesus loves you. They mean nothing to you. This generation, you didn't flinch. Nothing. It's a bumper sticker here. For one hour, she froze. For one hour, she was paralyzed. And tears are flowing down her face because she never could conceive that somebody even knows her name. Let alone love her. Love me? That's all she could say for one hour straight. Me? Me? You know, somebody said, what God loves, he makes a lot. There are 1.3 billion Chinese people in this world. I think he loves Chinese a lot because he makes whatever he, he, work, he loves multiplies. And out of 1.3 billion people, he loves me and yes. And I want you to know, this is what Jesus says. For God so loved the world, so much that he gave his only son. It's, this isn't discussion with Nicodemus. He's hearing these words for the first time. Imagine being there to hear John 3.16 for the first time. You've never heard this summary. You've never heard a summary of an entire Old Testament. A summary. This is how much he loved that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him. But anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing God's one and only son. And the judgment is based on this. And this should connect you to the morning message. God's light came into the world, but people loved darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it, for their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they're doing what God wants. Nicodemus hears these words for the first time. That people and world love the darkness more than the light. And the light stays right in front of him. <gasps> what a powerful experience. What a powerful experience. All this from a conversation. From a late night conversation with Nicodemus. Our theology of worship. Our entire theology of worship. Modern worship. Is based on a discussion Jesus had. With the Sumerian woman at the well. And here we are, church of 2019, putting the headphones on and thinking we have nothing to talk to people about. Thinking that we don't have anything to say. Minimizing the importance of conversations with the people around us. And it's true, maybe we don't have anything to say, but we do. But we do. We have a message. So tonight, this is where I wrap up my message. I'm putting you in front of a guy named Nicodemus who lived in an extraordinary time 
who lived in the wealthiest time on earth, who lived in the most powerful religious system in front of the most powerful religious system, and who lived in the most profound human thought on earth, and yet he believed that it was not sufficient to answer the questions of his soul. And he's yearning for love, for a love that goes beyond our knowledge and understanding, a love that loves him for who he is and how he is. I want you to experience this for yourselves. To talk to your colleagues at school and have a normal conversation with them and ask them questions. And at a certain time, at a proper time, to experience the fact that, you know what, I'm, I don't know about you, but I am complete and I am sufficient because I feel so loved. Tell, tell them about how loved you are every day for who you are, how you are. There is nothing you can do, nothing you can do. Nicodemus got the story we're here. You know how I know? You will find Nicodemus one more time in the Bible. One more time. Against his culture, against the time he paid for Jesus' body and took him against all odds. That's, you know how much he loved Jesus? That he was willing to serve him as, as a God, even he was dead. They killed him, no problem, I still love him so much. I'm willing to risk everything, my position, my career, my reputation, everything to carry him and put him in a grave. Because he is the darling of my soul. So when we talk about missions, we cannot, we cannot minimize the importance of human conversation. We cannot limit in any way. The only message we have to give to the world is about God's love, absolute love for his people and how much people need to be loved. And the only connection between the two is Jesus. So now I'm going to ask you some questions. What did you learn about Nicodemus tonight? So this is how orality works. I told you a story about Nicodemus. And now I'm going to ask you some questions. And this way of asking you questions about what did you learn about Nicodemus is you get involved in the story. Now you have to think about, man, what oh, interesting guy. Like, what did you learn about Nicodemus? Can you tell me? I'll give, I'll give the first person that breaks the ice and tells me just what, do you, what did you learn about Nicodemus? I'm going to need a microphone. Anybody can help me. Some people here can help me with some microphones here. Okay, stand up and be brave. I learned that basically you can have the knowledge of the world, everything you know, and it does not matter unless you have God in your life. Somebody else. Raise your hand. Hey, just so you know, I don't have that many books, but here we go. Go ahead. that everyone no matter who has a hidden question that they want someone to ask them I promise I'm not, I'm not going to hit everybody with the microphone if you answer the question somebody else I really like this you know you remember that and you remember that people carry questions and so on somebody else I learned that you don't have to be afraid to be sincere to God because God already knows your feelings. Thank you. Somebody else. What did you learn about Nicodemus tonight? Thank you. I learned that uh, only God can answer the questions of the heart and not the wisdom of the world. 
It was interesting how he said um, that Nicodemus felt like Jesus was reading his mind. And uh, it's interesting, like you even said before, people ask questions. But we shouldn't answer necessarily their questions. We should answer, we should ask them the questions that we need to understand. Although Jesus, he was already like reading his mind. He already answered the question that Nicodemus actually wanted to ask, but he really couldn't. He couldn't figure out because we're like so limited in words. But Jesus did not answer perfectly. I really want you guys to get this point, and I, I'm so thankful that you said that, right? I really want you guys to get at this point. In this highly politicized environment, one of the most, the highest disappointment I've ever had is, is Christians getting in the political debate at any cost. Do you know that we have lost people for eternity because you wanted to put your Republican thoughts into that and tell them what you think and shove it down their throat? When maybe they were talking about LGBTQ or they're talking about something, but there was something deeper inside of them saying, I have this pull towards evil inside of me. How do I deal with it? And here you were, you are damned, you're going to hell, da, 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 and all these things. And you've missed the actual discussion that was, that was underneath because why? 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 Because we want it to be right. You think you're defending God. You think you're defending God by winning debates? Not souls. Not souls. I really want you to remember this. As much as and as long as you are, when you talk to people, stop. For the love of our Lord, don't talk down on them. And let allow yourself to hear first. To make sure you really understand what they're asking you. Understand. Ask questions. Ask clarifying questions. I really want to answer your question. But can you help me understand a little better, please? Can you please help me understand a little better? Somebody else, what did you learn? The last person, what did you learn about Nicodemus? Nicodemus. Yes. That he was basically like the most achieved in religious uh, philosophical and like wealthy areas. And I need as many people to answer this. I don't have books to give for that. But I want you to answer this question for me. What did you learn about God tonight? In this story, Nicodemus is there. But what did you learn about God tonight? Somebody, please. Think about it. Go ahead. Sit up. Say it loud. Somebody else. Do I? Is it that? <laughs> so now that I have your attention again, uh, what did you learn about God tonight? Yes, please. what's in your heart and what's in your mind. He doesn't judge you, so you should come to him. 
Such a powerful point. Somebody else. What did you learn about God tonight? From this very simple story of Nicodemus. Yes, go ahead. He's always willing to answer all your questions open-heartedly and with kindness, and he won't judge you for anything ever. Thank you. Somebody else. What did you learn about God tonight? Okay, what did you learn about God tonight? Okay, my last question. And this will require much more than books. This will require um, a lot of bravery and a lot of honesty. And I want everybody to answer this question, but some of you, only some of you will have the, the courage to actually answer it here. What did you learn about yourself? Um, I learned that sometimes um, I put what other people think about me and whether or not other people love me above the fact that God loves me and that's all I need. Yeah. I, I actually don't know how to follow that up. I'm very thankful for your honesty tonight. I think if, if a lot of you would be honest with yourselves and even myself, how much effort we put in making sure that others love us. Sometimes it doesn't even compare like the tiniest bit with how much effort we put to understand how much God loves us. People go to extremes. They get, they get, um, um, they, they get their, their face worked on. Uh, word of advice, if you ever get to the point where you want to try it, these people that have plastic surgeries, uh, allow some time to pass until they figure out all the kinks. Because I don't think they figure out how to make the face look really nice. Everybody looks like a lizard. I'm not, like, like every single person coming out of that surgery looks the same. So I don't know why you think you look beautiful. You just look like the other 500 that, that, but they do it. Listen, they do it. They do it because they want to be loved. They want to be accepted and loved. And don't you think that is such an, it's such a pull in us. It makes us do so many things. And I want you to know that gets resolved big time in our life. The moment you really understand how much loved you are and how much you are loved. Somebody else, what did you learn about yourself tonight? Thank you for your honesty. I really appreciate your honesty. Somebody else, what did you learn? Yes. Um, a lot of times when, you know, you pray to God, you kind of keep things basic, and it's the same things, prayer requests over and over, and you forget to be more honest, and I learned that I need to more ask more questions, you know, be more upfront with God, even though it may seem like, yeah, he knows what I'm thinking and all that, but to have a more personal relationship and get more into the conversation to converse with him. Somebody else, what did you learn about yourself tonight? Anybody? Yes. I really appreciate everybody that, that dares to do this. I know it's not easy. I learned that if I'm being honest with myself, I put my own comfort above other people's salvations, and that's just selfish, even though it's, it's difficult to break out of that. 
that took a lot, a lot to share, and I really appreciate that. I'm actually really, really sensitive to the fact that you guys are opening your hearts uh, to this. And this is, what, this is what a true story of the Bible does. If you don't ask these questions every time you get approached a Bible text, you're missing so much. What did you learn about God? What did you learn about those people? But also, what did you learn about yourself? How can you read an entire Bible passage and just close the book and say, check, without really stopping a little bit to say, okay, hold on, hold on, something's going on here. God, every single time, you know this book is not about people? Guys, do you know that we actually, I think a lot of Christians had misunderstood this book completely? It's not about history. It's not about you. Sorry. It's not about you. This entire book is all about God. That's it. Whenever you open it, you cannot open this book without answer, answering the question and asking the question, okay, what did I just learn about God right now? doesn't matter what part of it you open it. does not matter what story you read from it. does not matter what story you read to people from it. I guarantee you, you can learn something about God from it. You can learn something about those people from it. But also, you can learn something about yourself. Pray with me. Father, I know that your spirit is in this place. And it's searching the deep questions of everybody here. And I want to pray that as we've just scratched the surface of this discussion, that you continue to answer those questions. And you continue to pour your love that surpasses all knowledge and understanding over everybody here. To be so lonely, so misunderstood, and so unloved in front of a God that loves so much. And that's why I want to ask that you reveal your son Jesus Christ tonight in this place. That people would accept him as their savior and lover of their hearts. And then, Lord, um, in a world full of Nicodemus, will you send us out in such a beautiful way to care so much about them that we would make the time to sit down and listen and ask the genuine and right questions. To get to the point where we can talk so easy about your love and care for us. I pray for all this in Jesus' name. Amen.